More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Hour two of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show is here, my friends. Thanks for being with us. We've got a lot to discuss with you this hour. We will get into uh, how Hollywood, China, and the global elites are all battling for cultural supremacy. That's a book. I think I might have got the, the title. Red Carpet, it's called. Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural supremacy um we'll be discussing that later on this hour with eric schwartzel the author first though we wanted to talk to virginia mom marianne jensen she's with us in the line but before we let you hear from her the update here want to recall that she went viral last week for speaking out at a school board meeting here is that audio on november 15th of last year i had the privilege of speaking with dr mcdade for 10 minutes following the crt town hall meeting During that discussion, which was friendly and cordial, I asked what she, as superintendent, could do to get the kids out of masks. Dr. McTay told me that she would if she could, but that her hands were tied by then-Governor Northam's executive order mandating face coverings. And if it weren't for that, things would be different. Well, tonight, things are different. And I'd like to ask you, Dr. McDay, tonight, what has changed? And what do you plan on doing now that your hands are untied? I'm, in fact, I'm asking all of you to step up the way other leaders who have and are ending COVID restrictions by the day. What, when will you, what will it take? You are on the losing side of history. And it's time to make that right before these children now. That was Virginia mom, Marianne Jensen, who is with us now. Marianne, thanks for calling to the Clay and Buck Show. Hey, thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. What's it like to go viral when you're standing up for your kids and the kids all across the country that are being forced to mask up for no apparent good reason? How's it been going? It's been surreal. It's been surreal. You know, the video was put up on YouTube um, for my family on the east or the west coast to see how I did. I woke up the next morning and it had gone viral and I was shocked. It was such a it's just been a surreal week. It's been overwhelming, and it's been amazing, actually. And what are some of the reactions you've gotten from folks? I mean, you know, who's who's reaching out to you? And, and I, I just want to know, I would assume a lot of parents are probably saying to you, 
Thanks for doing it. Thanks for speaking the truth. Oh, I've had hundreds of people from all over the country reaching out to me. I've had grandpas that have said, thank you for fighting for my grandchildren. I've had mothers. I've had fathers. I've had, at the board meeting that night, I had little kids coming up to me, hugging me, telling me, thank you for fighting for them. And so that's what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it for the kids, but I'm doing it for all the other parents who may not have a voice or who have jobs and they're not able to speak out. That's what I'm here for. And I will continue to do it. Marianne, this is Clay. I appreciate you coming on with us here. Um, I saw your speech. I spoke at my school back in August for my kids as well. I want to start with this. How many kids do you have in school and where are they going to school? And what has been the reaction since that school board meeting? Um, my, I have four children. I have a, um, 12-year-old son. I have twins who are 10, a boy and a girl, and I have a um, 7-year-old little girl. And um, I'm, not, I'm not really comfortable saying what schools they go to, but they are yep. in Prince William County. Okay, so in Prince William County, and I loved the way you laid it out talking about that situation, you guys have ended up as the epicenter now in many ways in Northern Virginia as the battleground over school masking. What is the latest in terms of what's going on in that county in Virginia, and what do you anticipate in the wake of that school board meeting and your speech that uh, that, that went viral and we played on this show and obviously uh, ha- has been shared so many different places all over? That's a great question. I, I wish I knew it was going to happen. I wish... Um, Superintendent McDade would call me and say, hey, you know what, thanks for your speech. We're going to end mask mandates. Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the, our, our seven counties went into a lawsuit. Um, they, it just went through the Arlington Circuit Court, and it, um, it's going to go now to the Supreme Court, unfortunately, or the Virginia Supreme Court. Unfortunately, there was a conflict of interest in that uh, Arlington Court, one of the the judge had a spouse who is a teacher in that county, so it's, that's a big mess. As far as what's going to happen, I, I really don't know. With all of these states taking down mask mandates, the writing is on the wall. They've got to wake up and see that, that they are losing. They are losing big time, and it needs to end. We're speaking to Virginia mom, Marianne Jensen, for anyone joining us, who last week went viral for her speech at her school board in Virginia, where she said, enough with this mask madness. And and specifically, Virginia, uh, uh, Marianne, I, I wanted to have you address, I mean, that there was a, a member of the, what was it, the, the school chancellor or superintendent or, or some school official who had said previously, months previously, were it not for the governor's order when the governor was Democrat Northam, we would totally take the masks off your kids' faces and now it's Governor uh, it's Governor Youngkin, and they're still not taking the masks off the faces. Do they have any explanation for you? Did you get, either before or after your speech, any explanation from that official about why he or she essentially lied? No, I haven't heard anything. It was our superintendent. We were at a critical race theory town hall meeting on November 15th. I remember what she was wearing. I remember where we were standing in the hallway. I grabbed her aside and said, hey, what can you do to get these kids out of masks? And she looked at me and she said, I know it's been so hard. I would love to see things back to normal. But unfortunately, my hands are tied and I'm waiting for guidance from Richmond. So I came home and I told my children and we said, just wait, guys, just 
just wait, you know, just a few more months. We've got Governor Youngkin coming in. Just wait. Um, and so I, I was lied to, and I do not like to be lied to. <laughs> and that's been the hardest thing is for my children to be so excited to be able to get out of masks. And then, oh, sorry, guys, our superintendent who lied to me is now saying we can't do that. That's been the hardest thing is just seeing how my children have been affected by this. We're talking to Marianne Jensen. Okay, you reached out to me yesterday, and mm-hmm. this got me super fired up. So your three-minute discussion, your speech, uh, your your argument against kids having to wear masks, and as you said, you're a mother of four uh, kids in Northern Virginia, that went up on YouTube, and then YouTube said it violated their community standards, and they pulled that down. Now, just for people out there who are listening, you spoke at a public forum, a school board event. It is the very essence of a community-based event to allow people to share their opinion about their kids. Again, just to reiterate, you've got four kids in these schools. What did YouTube say to you? Is it still pulled down? And what sort of recourse, if any, do you have to enable that three-minute discussion to be able to be shared again? Because so many parents out there are like you. They're like me. They want to be able to share the data because it is, I think, child abuse to continue to put kids in masks when there's no scientific evidence to support it. Yeah, I was ticked yesterday when I went to click on my video to show somebody and it said, you are violating community standards. I I was really angry. I felt like they were trying to shut down my voice. Um, and I guess YouTube, mom, or YouTube thinks that moms can't speak up. They were trying to keep me in my place. They wanted to get me back in the kitchen. And like I've said before, not this mom and not all the other moms who are sick of school boards um, playing, playing political games with our children. So um, I tweeted it, and I got a lot of, you know, a lot of comments. I've got you know, over 100,000 impressions just on that one tweet. Um, and I, I believe it's back up because of some pressure from high, high-profile individuals and I feel like they are, um, they're losing and they know these, they know that they're losing. So all these start, all these states are reversing their mask mandates and we're at the top of the wave and it's crusting. And I think YouTube knows this. They're afraid of us. I, that's so well said. And, and I wanted to follow up. I'm glad that YouTube has adjusted their response there. And I don't think it's any doubt that you reaching out, um, and, and helping to draw attention to it. When you saw New Jersey, Delaware, and Connecticut, those are three blue states with three Democratic governors, effectively acknowledge that your argument was right. What was your reaction to seeing what happened yesterday as the tide against masking seems now to have spread not only from uh, you know parents in, in red or purple states, but now directly into blue states? Yeah, it's it's. It's surprising, but it's not. Um, I wish I could say I was the voice. I wish I could say I was the catalyst that started this. But I think I think parents are reson- or it's resonating to parents that the, the facts and the data. And so they can't hide from these. These blue states cannot hide from the fact that 331 children have died of COVID-related incidences. We can't hide behind this anymore. Children are not children are not lining up on the streets or in the you know, in the schools dying. And, and that may sound callous, but they're just not. And so these blue states should have lifted their mask mandates a long time ago when the data has come out. Marianne so Jensen. Fi- fi- oh, Marianne Jensen, thank you so much. Fired up Virginia mom. 
Uh, we hope you'll come back and tell us how this goes, because until this fight is over, it's not over. It's not over. We've got to keep fighting. We've got to put the pressure on these school boards. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marion. Great work. We appreciate you being with us. If there's one apparel company that i got to talk about, it's Tommy John. This company makes the most comfortable loungewear, T-shirts, hoodies, and underwear you'll find anywhere. It's a gift you're going to want to buy for yourself and a gift you're going to want to share with the ones you love. When you and your favorite people are wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable, so you can do everything better. Tommy John doesn't just have customers. They have fanatics. Clay and I are both in that category. Tommy John loungewear makes you feel perfectly at ease every time you wear it. It's that comfortable. With over 17 million pairs sold, Tommy John has made a whole lot of Americans feeling better every day. If you haven't tried this brand yet, their Valentine's Day sale is your perfect opportunity. Plus, there's no risk. Every gift is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Get $20 off your order of $100 or more right now at TommyJohn.com slash buck. That's TommyJohn.com slash buck for $20 off. TommyJohn.com slash buck for $20 off. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I got to tell you, Buck, I just love hearing moms and dads who are willing to go out 
and make the case based on factual data as it pertains to masks in school. And you just heard from Marianne Jensen where Northern Virginia really has emerged as the primary battleground, I would say, over masks in schools. And she's got, she said, three kids, 12-year-old, twin 10-year-olds, and a 7-year-old. I've obviously got two kids who are in elementary school as well. And, again, I, I think we need to reiterate this. I mean, all the facts and all the science support it. But I think you and I are in total agreement, Buck, that if masks, especially masks in schools, if it gives up the ghost, if it collapses, all of the apparatus surrounding COVID restrictions go as well. Because this is sort of the foundational uh, foundational basis for all COVID restrictions. And it's like if you wipe out this thing, the whole house of COVID restrictions comes crambling down. Yeah, I mean, down. just think this through. And this has been my premise from the very beginning of this. This is why I was, I mean, I, I'm i an anti-mask zealot. I mean, I will accept that. Yes. I'm an anti-mask fundamentalist, right? I, I don't shy away from that at all because I recognized early on that it's not just the compliance the subjugation, uh, the bending of the knee that comes with it. It's also the constant visual reminder to everybody. Think about a world in which someone's saying to you, excuse me, sir, excuse me, can you have six feet of social distancing where you're not in a room full of people with masks on, right? Or when you're not in line at a restaurant or a coffee shop and everyone doesn't have this stupid cloth or whatever on their face, you look at them like they're completely, I mean, they are insane, but you look at them like they're even crazier. It just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. But with masks on everybody it essentially medicalizes at some level our entire society like we're all in this biosecurity state all the time and so then you can have other things added on to it show me your vaccine passport make sure you're standing six feet apart wash your hands here's your purell they're still i mean they, i'm sure they did this for you too why are they still giving everyone hand sanitizer when they get on plates the science quote-unquote doesn't support this as a stopping of transmission at all at all buck i had to get tested i'm at the fox lot in la and i know that this is a big deal in new york city too and for people out there who live in new york and la you know what we're talking about uh but i had to get tested today to come on to the lot um as an unvaccinated person in order to be able to come here i went out to dinner last night in la and i got asked for my vaccine passport in the hotel in which i'm staying I want you to hear this, Buck. I think you'll <laughs> in the hotel in which I'm already staying. OK, I came downstairs to go to the restaurant in the hotel and they said, sir, you can't get in unless you have a, uh, a, a vaccine card or unless uh, you have a negative test. Now, I had a negative test, but I just want you to think about how crazy this is. I can walk into the lobby. I can get on the elevator. I can go up to my room. I can come downstairs, be in the lobby, ask any questions, do anything that I want to do. I can get on the Wi-Fi if I wanted to be sitting there with my laptop. But the the restaurant, I'm not allowed to go in the restaurant. What logical sense does it make that I can stay in the hotel, I can be in the public areas of the hotel, I can sit, Buck, at the bar in the hotel lobby, but I'm not allowed to go into the restaurant unless I have a vaccine card or I had a negative test because I'm getting negative tests here. What you're talking about is a transition that happened during COVID from this even being ostensibly about the science, which, as we know now, apparently it does change. Wait, I, I thought the science was settled on so much of this. Now they're saying, oh, no, the science has changed. Of course, the science 
There is no such thing. It has always been changing. But they needed to create an enemy at some point here because the failure of the apparatus of the Fauci Democrat legacy media apparatus that was pushing lockdowns and all this madness from the start the failure was going to at some point become a political liability i think they're worried about that right now and people were going to not listen after a while unless they could create this oh it's not that what we told you and the things we made you do don't work clay it is the non-compliant it is the unvaccinated as we know the pandemic of the unvaccinated line from biden the, the other rising of people, including millions and millions of them who had natural immunity, not to mention those who just didn't want to do this stuff. And we sit here, and we say, well, hold on a second. Uh, why do they do things like they do to you? It's to punish people, the bad people who didn't do all the things they were told, like good boys and girls. It is explicitly to annoy and antagonize those who would not bend the knee on every little thing and go along with every aspect. Because it's clearly not. A, this is why you got a mask up when you walk to your table at a restaurant. It's clearly not about science. You sit there with your mask off the whole time. I just I couldn't get over in the lobby. I'm allowed in the bar lobby. I'm allowed in uh, the area if I want to sit there. There are guys who have laptops out. You know, like a lot of times you work in the lobby. I'm allowed to do all that. I am allowed to get in the elevator, obviously, and go to my hotel room and stay at the hotel but I'm not allowed to go into the restaurant. Like I would love for somebody to explain why I can drink a bar, a beer at the bar in the lobby, but I'm not allowed to walk across the lobby and go into the restaurant. I, I mean, it, it is it is so mindless. I, I can't even conceptualize the science behind how you could even justify all this. I actually have a leftist media friend who one time finally broke down and told me after he came back from Hawaii, maybe about uh, six months ago said they would let me drink at the bar if I took it to go in a to go cup, but I could not sit at the bar. That was not allowed. <laughs> and he said, I think there might be an issue there. I said, yeah, I think so. Yeah, join the club. Mike Lindell, he's the inventor of my pillows team. They fit us for our own pillows, introduced us to their ever-growing list of incredible products. You know, they got towel sets, slippers, robes, mattress toppers, Giza sheets, many more. You can trust Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. Ultra soft, breathable, also durable with a luxurious finish. You can get them in many different colors, styles, and sizes. And right now with Giza Dream Sheets, lowest price ever, 60% off, $39.99 with the promo code Clay and Buck. 60-day money-back guarantee, no risk at all. You can go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials to check out this flash sell on the Giza Dream Sheets. Again, incredible sell, 60% off. You are going to love these sheets. We got them on every bed in my house. We love them. And you also get a copy of Mike Lindell's book free with your purchase. Remember to use the code Clay and Buck or call 800-792-3269. Welcome back into the Play and Buck Show. As you know, the Winter Olympics underway in China right now. And you might have even seen what I, I guess is the artificial snow ski slope next to the nuclear cooling towers and what looks like a dystopian hellscape of some part of Beijing. I've been in Beijing. Let me tell you, that place is huge. It is a giant city. It goes on forever. Um, let's talk a bit more about China, though, with Eric Schwartzel right now. He's the author of Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural Supremacy. Eric, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, first, let's just start with the, the basic thesis you have in your book here. I mean, Clay and I have talked before about how 
They'll actually edit out Taiwan patches from Maverick's leather jacket in the Top Gun remake that Hollywood bends the knee to China or elites bend the knee to China. What do you see going on here? Yeah, I think it's a story that's several years in the making. You know, um, Hollywood movies have been flowing into the Chinese market since the mid-90s. But it's only been the past decade and a half or so that the Chinese box office has grown exponentially. The Chinese box office, a lot of people don't realize this, is now the biggest in the world. And the U.S. market was flatlining before COVID, and then COVID took a big punch to it. And so the studios, because they want to stay in business, need to get those movies into Chinese theaters. And that means passing approval from Chinese censors. So that explains why, as you said, the patches on Tom Cruise's jacket in a Top Gun reboot can't show Taiwan or Japan because those are countries that are, you know, in poor favor with China. So the Hollywood movies have to make sure they follow those rules in order to be screened in that country and have access to its box office. Eric, uh, I read a fantastic excerpt of your book in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend edition. And Buck and I had actually talked about this recently. So Red Dawn, 1980s movie, a lot of people remember that movie. Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, the idea that Russians uh, are suddenly going to land. These kids from Colorado fight back against them. They decided to do a remake. And according to that editorial, or sorry, that excerpt, there were Tom Cruise, everybody's sitting around, and they say, okay, it's China that's definitely going to attack. They film the whole movie and then suddenly realize, wait a moment, if China is the villain here, MGM, which is distributing and making this movie, is in real trouble. And so they spent, I believe you said, a million dollars to turn it into North Korea that was actually attacking the United States instead of China. That's a wild story for our audience out there. Explain that. And you say it was an interesting pivot point in the history of United States and China film, because since that point, basically, there have been no bad guys from China because Hollywood is terrified to offend the Chinese. That's absolutely right. Um, it was the last movie put into production by a major Hollywood studio that had cast China as the villain. But as you said, it didn't even get released with China as the villain because after MGM had finished filming the movie, Chinese state media outlets made it clear that they were not going to be happy if it came out and they could punish the company elsewhere. So one of the dynamics we've seen emerge is that Chinese authorities will punish studios however they can. So it's not enough to make a movie that's critical of China and then just not plan to release it in China. Even if you release it just in the U.S., China has shown that it will punish you elsewhere, whether it's, you know, blocking consumer products or toys that you make from getting into the country or forbidding you from build a theme, from building a theme park like Disney and Universal have in the country. There are larger corporate interests threatened by these movies that anger China. And Red Dawn, like Top Gun, is such a such a deeply ironic example, because as you mentioned, the original, which is considered a classic, by so many people, I think of my generation and yours, you know, that is such a, an, an um, emblem of the raw, raw era of American movie making. You know, almost every movie it seemed had a Soviet bad guy because we were in the middle of a Cold War with the USSR. And, and today, whenever those movies are remade, China is the obvious choice. I mean, if you're thinking of a country that could plausibly invade the U.S. and that has tensions with the U.S., 
China makes a lot more sense than North Korea. It's just that economically, it's a non-starter. Speaking to Eric Schwartzel, author of Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural Supremacy. Eric, how do you think we, we can we should best handle this? I mean, would it be... Is, you mentioned the way that, yeah, there were all these movies. I mean, God, I remember watching Rocky Four. And I've never, I don't know if I've ever been so fired up as when he's squaring off against Ivan Drago and, you know, the whole Ivan Drago, whatever. And and there was a very clear messaging there about life behind the Iron Curtain and fighting the Soviet, you know, the Soviet evil empire. Should, I mean, would you like to see China be a country that at least the Chinese Communist Party is treated in a somewhat similar way? I mean, how do we go about this? How do we win the cultural battle? We already know the places where they have a tremendous amount of influence and are dictating our, our uh, cultural products in many contexts. Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's interesting because like what you what you just described, I think everyone can relate to, right? Like leaving a movie theater and just feeling amped up for whatever you just saw. And, and I think that's a real power. And I think Hollywood sometimes is rightfully cautious about that power when it comes to, you know, demonizing certain countries or trafficking in certain kinds of stereotypes or stereotypical portrayals. It, but it feels to me like over the past couple of years, Hollywood has really for the first time in its history been at odds with its own government. I mean, if you look at Hollywood history from World War II through the Cold War era, Hollywood has if not done America's bidding, been seen as something of an adjunct of the American government and, and really the most effective tool we have for soft power and hearts and minds around the world. And I think what we're seeing now is there's a bit of a divergence of opinion where you have politicians, and I would say politicians on both sides of the aisle, as well as consumers losing patience to not just Hollywood, but also corporate America's acquiescence to China. And I think that's the balancing act that a lot of these studios are going to have to strike is how do we maintain access to that market, which is very important for our bottom line, but not find ourselves on the wrong side of criticism here at home. Eric, one of the things that's fascinating, you kind of hinted at this, is even as the Hollywood industry and the movies in general have tried to bend a knee and avoid offending China, They've been allowing fewer and fewer American movies into their country. Uh, that's happening with the Marvel movies. I'll use as an example the recent Space Jam remake. I really believe that one reason LeBron James has been so easygoing on China and not ever spoken out and said anything is because he wanted his movie to play in China. Is China actually embarrassing Hollywood even more by not only making decisions about what is and is not allowed to be said about them, but also now not even allowing many of these movies to have access to their massive movie-going market? For the past six to eight months, I'd say that has become the case. I mean, it really feels like China has ghosted Hollywood, and it is not allowing movies in that traditionally would have made hundreds of millions of dollars at the box office. And it's not just the Space Jam reboot you mentioned. I mean, movies as big as Spider-Man and Shang-Chi and Black Widow are not being accepted into Chinese theaters. And it's leaving a big fat zero on the balance sheet 
of the studios that work. What are you sorry to cut you off? I think that's fascinating. What do you attribute that to? Because the Space Jams and the Marvels are not political in nature in many ways. And you would think a a movie like Shang-Chi, which has an uh, Asian star, right, in many ways, would be the essence of why uh, Hollywood potentially is even considering making that movie because of the why. Why is China suddenly exerting that power uh, even in movies like that that don't really have a political bent necessarily, superhero uh, style movies? Yeah, you're right. I mean, these are not movies about the Dalai Lama. These are not movies about Taiwan. These are movies that were supposed to be global products. Listen, there are a lot of theories. There's no one answer. I mean, one tricky thing about working with China is that you never really get a memo saying <laughs> we're not accepting your movie and here's why. So you really have to kind of read the read the tea leaves and, and see what the signals are. And it seems like a couple of things have happened. One is that China's own film industry has grown more and more sophisticated in recent years. And Chinese audiences have understandably grown to prefer Chinese entertainment to American entertainment. I always say, you know, would we expect Americans to go see a Chinese version of Davy Crockett? I mean, it, it, it makes sense that as the Chinese movies have gotten better, that people there would gravitate toward those. But the other thing that's happened is, is as Xi Jinping has consolidated power, there's just been more of a turn inward. And I think there's just been an overall greater skepticism about Western and outside influence. And this has ebbed and flowed throughout Hollywood's relationship with China. You know, every time... Like when Disney was building a massive theme park in Shanghai, there were pockets of the Chinese government who said, you know, do we really want Chinese children, you know, becoming affectionate for Western characters or Disney characters? This happens over time, but we've never seen anything this severe. And I think it's going to lead to a lot of uncertainty here in Hollywood because, you know, when you're greenlighting a movie for 250 or $300 million, you all but need China to turn a profit. That's how expensive these movies are. And if it's that much of an uncertainty, I don't really know what the studio chiefs can do. Eric Schwartzel, author of Red Carpet, Hollywood, China, and the Global Battle for Cultural Supremacy. Eric, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Folks, we have some great news for you today from Hillsdale College. This is the college that's teaching Americans about the Constitution and has been for a long time. One of the ways they accomplish this is by giving away free copies of this vital document. It gives you and everyone a chance to read and remember the words in this amazing document. You can claim a free pocket-sized constitution right now at Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. Every American should have their own copy of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. These two founding documents establish the freest and most prosperous nation in history. And these days, with so much of our liberty under threat, it's more critical than ever for you to read and understand them. That's why Hillsdale College is making this kind offer right now. They want to give away one million copies of our founding documents this year. To claim your own copy, go to Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. That's Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Their goal is simple. They want you to be familiar with these great documents that define our freedoms. You can reserve your copy right now at Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. That's Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. The podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Hope all of you are having a fantastic Tuesday, wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. Want to encourage you. Go subscribe to the podcast. February is a short month. Help us set a new all-time record. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Also, Dub is out there reviewing all of your five-star reviews, and he may well allow us to either hit some of those this week or next week. Uh, He has let me know that there are a ton of five-star reviews. Entertain him. Maybe you even want to slant your uh, your 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 five star review in the direction of Dove. I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say you want to start it off with "Oh, amazing, omnipotent czar of reviews, <laughs> Dove." That's how you get it going. Uh, if we read your review, you get an autographed copy of my book. We're going to do this in the near future. And oh, by the way, you can share uh, that. Uh, you can share that with anybody out there. By the way. The Virginia mom, Marianne Jensen, mother of four in Prince William County, that was fantastic to start off this hour. I am utterly fascinated, Buck, by this battle over what is and what is not acceptable for the creative community to say about uh, China. The idea, I mean, we talked about this last week, Buck, but let's just not understate how crazy this is. They filmed the entire Red Dawn remake. 
for those of you around mine or Buck's age, this is an iconic movie that was made in the 1980s that many of us grew up a massive fan of. They filmed the entire movie with Chinese bad guys invading America. Before release, they scrubbed all of the audio, changed every one of the military uniforms, and re-recorded dialogue to make North Korea, which makes even no sense, right? Like, North Korea couldn't even invade South Korea if they wanted to, much less somehow send troops all the way around the world to invade the United States, all to avoid offending China. I mean, this is crazy stuff, right? I mean, this is like uh, next-level insane. The Soviets relied on ideological fellow travelers in the Western world, people that believed that communism was going to create, or had already created in some cases, because they didn't know any better, a worker's paradise. And that, that was effective at some level. But it's a very different thing we're seeing now with China, where... This is actually using our capitalist system, in a sense, to have tremendous influence for our only near peer power, which is the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese military uh, squaring off against us on the global stage. So this goes much deeper, right? It's Yeah, people can be ideologically sympathetic to, to socialism, communism. Fine. They're socialists in this country, of course. Plenty of them called Democrats. But they also, at some level, I think. Now understand, everyone understands that the Chinese being able to leverage economic interests, we've never dealt with something quite like this before, where people are, you know, the heads of movie studios, the heads of major corporations, the heads of the tech, the tech giants got to say, I'm going to have to do China's bidding on these issues because otherwise my company is going to be non-competitive. And to think about it, you mentioned it too. Top Gun Two. I don't even know when Top Gun Two is actually going to be I released. It was I mean, they, it hasn't been released yet, no, right? No, it hasn't been released. They keep bumping it back because of COVID issues. And by the way, speaking of COVID issues, did you see in New York City that ten people got arrested for going to a movie without being vaccinated? Did you see that story? I, I did not, but I, I arrested it. people here. Are they nuts. walked them out in cuffs, Buck. For going to a movie without their vaccine card. This is a this is an uncomfortable thing. We haven't really talked about this on the show very much, but you know, there's there's video right. There's been video in the past of of my my beloved NYPD used to work at the NYPD uh, arresting people for not having vaccine passports. There's video in Canada of police up there being really rough with a guy who looks like he's about five foot three and he's clearly in his eighties. I saw elderly this. and small. And in frail. And you say to yourself, you know, you don't have to do this stuff, folks. You know, you don't have to manhandle people. You you know, you can actually you can actually take a stand. Same thing we say about airline attendants. I love those airline attendants who don't tell you to pull the thing over your nose and leave you alone. They're doing their part for freedom by not being tyrants. Some of the cops. It's not good, Clay. It's not good what's been going on with covid. Well, and I just think it's particularly wild. It's almost impossible to get charged with a felony in New York right now. We mentioned this. Two people got charged with felonies for going to a Buffalo Bills playoff game in New York with fake vaccine cards. You look at what they are doing in terms of not charging people who commit violent crimes or robberies with felonies. And they're arresting and handcuffing people for going to a movie or going to a football game without vaccine cards? The apparatus cares about its power and and everyone's obedience much more than it cares about the safety of people from violent crime. Just everyone should understand that. That's baked into all this.
It's absolute insanity. Third hour of the program. The battle over masks continues to grow. There's so much insanity there. Also, what's going on on the ground in Canada, Buck? We're going to go directly to one of our great journalists up there that's actually reporting on the truckers. That's coming up next. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.